Jonathan Wakefield is a brewmaster and founder of Miami's renowned Jay Wakefield Brewing. Now he's opening up his internationally acclaimed tap room at Sirius XM Business Radio for an intimate look at the intersection of craft beer and popular culture. So pull up a chair, have a round on us, and join the conversation on the business of brewing. This is the Beer Hour with Jonathan Wakefield on Sirius XM Business Radio. Hi, I'm Jonathan Wakefield, and this is the Beer Hour on Sirius XM Business Radio 132. <laughs> I'm here in the tap room with my co-host, Maria Cabre. Hello, Maria. Hey, John. Do you know what today's or tonight's episode is about? Uh, not me annoying you yes. before recording yes. the intro. I don't need glasses to read. <laughs> yes, that is correct. It's the first episode of fall. I mean, obviously, we can feel fall down here in Miami, right? I love fall. <laughs> All right. Who's our first guest? Our first guest is the co-founder, co-owner of Magnanimous Brewing in Tampa, Florida. Along with Mike Lucacina, he built his business from being a fixture on the craft beer festival circuit to a successful brick and mortar to a great American beer fest winner garnering national acclaim. In fact, one of his beers just won a bronze medal last weekend. All of this while operating his business and living his life in a most magnanimous way. Welcome to the Beer Hour, Charlie Mears, actually a good friend of ours, Charlie Mears. I think, uh, what is it now? I mean, I, we got to be going on uh, almost two decades here, man, that I've known you. Close. Yeah, I think uh, 2010 was when we met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would gonna... be 13 years, Okay, guys. Well, it's still going on two decades. I yeah, mean, you got like, going on. I mean, I mean, we're <laughs> almost in 2024, so then it would have been like six more years, so yeah. yeah. Haven't we heard a few times on many of these interviews that you were an accountant? Uh, yeah, I know that. Math is simple. I understand So your number is... It's fine. It's still almost two decades. We're closer to going to two decades than only one decade. So, in, you know... In beer years, I think we're at 52. Exactly. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of like dog years. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll kind of start this off as we kind of do everybody here on the beer hour. So where did you grow up at, Charlie? Uh, Cedartown, Georgia. Mm. I'm the seventh most famous person. <laughs> Hold on. Now you got to give us top five most famous people from there. Well, uh, number one and two are debatable. It's between Nick Chubb, uh, who I taught in kindergarten. Uh, Damn. All and right. Sam Hunt, who's a big country music guy. Yeah, I, I know, know who Sam, Sam Hunt is. is. Yeah. Then number three is Sterling Holloway, who is the voice of Winnie the Pooh. Poo. Um, oh, damn. And then there is, uh, there's a bunch of co- coaches that coach the UGA. Nice. Um, and then like me. And, uh, <laughs> I'm the only one that's been in Forbes. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> when along this timeline did you discover craft beer, and was there one beer in particular that kind of sparked that fire? Um, yeah, I was, you know, don't tell nobody, but I was 19, so it was 2001, and uh, got into Sweetwater and 420. That was the first time I had like beer that tastes like anything. I was like, oh yeah, this is cool. So just never really turned back from there. You know, and obviously I, you know, I remember this time timeline. I mean, because I also did this, I mean, but there was a time when the path to working at a craft brewery was to volunteer. Yeah. Where did you volunteer at and how long before someone started giving you a paycheck? Well, I was volunteering at uh, Sweetwater and Terrapin. I lived in Athens, but I would right. go to Sweetwater on the weekends and help out with whatever uh, tours and you know porn stuff and whatnot. Same with Terrapin once they opened their physical brewery in Athens, and then um, somewhere along the way, like uh, uh, I was working at a Circuit City during all this. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, but our service was state of the art. At Circuit City. But, uh, <laughs> I used to love going to Circuit City. I used to, I, they don't exist no more. Nope. That and Radio Show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We almost got bought by Blockbuster Video, which is even more hilarious towards oh, yeah. the end of my yeah. tenure there. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I think 08, maybe 09, um, uh, Sachin Patel, uh, whom I pretty much owe my entire career with. Uh, at five points bottle shop in Athens oh, yeah. uh, needed some help with his beer program. And we were talking at the classic city beer fest, which used to be the biggest beer festival in Athens. And, um, said he needed some help. And I was like, yeah, sure. Cause I was seriously, it just closed and, uh, started working there and then fell even more in love with the business and everyone. And I don't know. It's yeah. <laughs> went crazy from there. <laughs> 
I mean, if if you, your partner Mike, and I kind of were all football coaches, I mean, it would be said that we were kind of part of the Joey Redner coaching tree. 1,000%. Can you tell our listeners, like, who Joey was to you and how he was instrumental in your career in craft beer? Yes. Uh, so, Joey... Uh, I had heard it, you know, I'd been at the bottle shop for a couple of years and like people were, there's this buzz going about of uh cigar city yep. and how things were they're like, Oh, it's one of the best breweries in the country. So one weekend, actually I could tell you the day it was, uh, October 30th, uh, 2009. I drove down there just to pick up some bottles to bring back and share with people. And, uh, actually Doug Dozark, uh, from cycle was working <laughs> yeah. there. He was the only person at the brewery. Yes. Yeah, I remember gave this. Me a, gave me a case of barrel-aged bottles, just gave them to me. Damn it. And then I bought a bunch of other stuff. And, you know, we may or may not have uh, sold them for profit at a place in Athens. But uh, <laughs> but, we, uh, but then uh, I think one time I went to go get something else for our bar and uh, told Joey I was having a Super Bowl party. And that's when he kind of figured out what I was doing. But uh, he was... He, I think he enjoyed that somebody would drive all the way from Athens to come down to grab beer to oh, get yeah. it to people in Georgia. Oh, yeah. And um, we we became friends from there. And then at the Craft Brewers Conference in 2011, he offered me the tasting room manager job at Cigar City. Damn. And so that's and we've been friends ever since. And that's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, I mean, my my story is kind of same because I in two thousand nine it was the only craft brewery in Florida, and I would drive up every other weekend from Miami to go to Tampa just to buy beer and bring it back down here and drink it, and obviously share it with everybody down here. And became ended up become good friends with Joey, and he ended up coming to my house because him and Justin were down for something, and they came to my house to watch the FSU Miami wow. Hurricane game, yeah. and I had two beers on draft that were obviously that I made myself home brewing, and yeah. he tried the beers, and he's like you need to come brew these up there, the pilot system. And I'm like, (laughs) okay. And then, then, you know, the rest is history after that. But uh, yeah, he definitely, I think had an impact on a lot of us in in that area, you know, Uh, around that time. Well, they're doing that, you know, Cigar City's having that family uh, reunion thing this year. And I think we counted it up. There's something like 26 breweries that spawned off from, Cigar City, just in Florida, and there's probably more around the country. Oh, but yeah. that's within like the tree. Yeah, that's within what? like a what five year gap or yeah. five to seven year that all these breweries yeah. spawn yeah. from Seventh Sun Cycle. Wow. Me, uh, yeah, Anonymous. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, there's a list and list that just keeps going on. You got Bringle down in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's nuts. There he's was, the best uh, brewer in Mexico, apparently. That's what Kevin told us. Yeah. He's the best yeah. brewer in Mexico. I believe it. I've drank a lot of their beer recently, and yes, I would say so. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. So, I mean, I, me knowing that you, like, you have been a fixture at craft beer festivals, especially in the Southeast for many years. Like, do you, do you, rem, do you like, remember your first craft beer fest? And were you there just as a craft beer drinker, or were you working for somebody at that time? Uh, I was, I was definitely there as a craft beer drinker. It was, um, it was either one of the classic city beer fests in Athens, or it was an Oktoberfest somewhere in Atlanta where it was just, you know, it was before like Polliner was the coolest thing there, which was still great, but you know, it was one of those festivals in like Oh four Oh five. Yeah. So I, I know you guys, Magnanimous was born on the festival circuit. Like you became known for your stouts and barley wines. Yeah. Was it always a strategy to use the festivals as a jumping off point to eventually open a brick and mortar location? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. that was always, you know, it, I felt like, like, uh, if, if it could happen that way, um, I don't know. It was kind of one of those things I wanted to do a couple of collabs on our way to getting open. And then, uh, voodoo actually gave us our first chance because we, um, uh, I had signed up for their first festival up in uh, Meadville, Pennsylvania back in 2018 and right. with Cycle. And then Doug said he couldn't do it. So Kurt and Mateo were like, well, do you want to bring the new brewery in? I was like, well, I don't have beer. We only started our LLC four months ago. And uh, they're like, well, we'll brew something for you. And then we'll call it a collab. Nice. And so we went back and forth on the collab. They brewed it. It was a, a mango milkshake IPA, I think. Uh, called it Shatter Machine. 
which is a wrestling <laughs> move like most of our beers or a lot of our beers it's wrestling or metal and oh. uh yeah and that's kind of got started got it started i think you guys are our second one so you're very instrumental in what we've done um so that was yeah it was uh and then from there like when you show up at those types of things people are like oh well they must be good so they, they started, we got started getting invited to a bunch of stuff. And I think we had done probably 15, 20 of them before we even opened, which was amazing. Hell yeah. That's awesome, man. So what is the story behind the name Magnanimous? Uh, so I heard that word when I was 13. I think I was, I think uh, Triple H said it on an episode of Raw. And uh, <laughs> I was like, I looked it up and uh it was you know be kind and forgiving to essentially the gist of it it's you kind of forgiving to you're, everyone you're, magna- your you're magnanimous i do whatever i can man exactly yeah and i was like <laughs> that's kind of a good way just to go through life being that way and i've always just had that word in my head since i was 13 so and uh that's just that when when we were thinking of a name for the brewery i was like eh, nobody's gonna use this and you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> do you mind describing your locations that you have in Tampa and Bradenton. Yeah. So our first location in Tampa is an old, um, Salvation Army worship center. I guess it was more of a soup kitchen than anything else, but they did have like the church and everything, but it went out of business in 2012 and we took it over in 2018. Um, but it's pretty awesome. Got, you know, really high race. It's, there's not another tap room like it in, in the state. Nice. Uh, kind of has that cathedral look. And then the second location in Bradenton was just kind of right place, right time. We got that in 2021, like two weeks after our. Was that a former first, brewery? First. I'm sorry. Was it a former brewery or no? Yeah, no. it was Darwin. It was Darwin. Yeah. 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 Darwin right across the street from the Pirate Spring Training Facility. Oh. So that's where most of our production comes out of now. Right. Because that's a larger. How big is that place? Uh, the buildings are the same size. It's just the configurations reversed. Like uh, in Tampa, our tap room is the majority right. of the building. Right. Um, in Bradenton, it's the tap room's tiny, but we can do about, uh, 1200 barrels out of Tampa. We can do about 4,500 barrels out of Bradenton. Oh, damn. Okay. What, uh, what kind of brewing setups do you got in both of them? Uh, 15s in both. Really? Um, Obviously more, Tampa, more tanks in Bradenton though. Yeah, yeah, and more 30s. There's, uh, I'm going to get this wrong, but I think there's seven 15s and eight 30s there. Woo. And in Tampa, it's uh, six 15s and two 7s. Okay, okay. Tampa, okay. I know I got right. Bradenton, I probably completely So you, are you, you're splitting 15-barrel batches into them 7s? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. A lot of times uh, doing a sour, fruiting it two different ways, or dry hopping a IPA two different ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something we've been starting to do as well, start split batching sours and stuff like that, just to get the most out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're not just inundated yeah. with oh, one brand, you know? Yeah. But um, how many different beers are you guys brewing now? Oh, God. Uh, so we have three. I don't want to call them. I mean, I guess they're cores in the grand scheme of things. But <laughs> right. uh, we have Juice Lord, which is our big IPA, yep. Brucker Beer, our Hellas, and then Dark Messenger, which is our vanilla porter. Nice. Um, and then we release one to two new beers every week um, on Thursdays. Damn. So, I mean, we'll. I if I think if you looked at our Untapped, uh, it'd probably be like two to three hundred beers right now <laughs> that we've released. Yeah, sound, sound like us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a uh, that's not an easy thing to pull off, man. No. It's not no. having that ingenuity of coming up with new stuff all the time and just yeah, that's. Yeah. It's not as easy as what people think it might be. So yeah. what? Well, helps when you have, go ahead. No, go. go ahead. I, I was saying it helps when you have Geiger. Oh, he has a, <laughs> oh yeah. Crazy idea yes. The mastermind. The mastermind. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, another another one born of the cigar city. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes. One hundred percent. Yeah, I remember meeting him at my house when I had a uh, bottle share down here for the first time before he ever worked for Cigar City. Yeah. He was just a beer geek. That's funny. So yeah. What do you think out of that portfolio that you guys have? Like, what are your most popular beers that you guys do? Uh, it's definitely the hazies. Uh, no one was, I mean, people were kind of dabbling in it before we opened. Like, our complete business plan changed a couple of times while we were building out. Right. Uh, like we we're going to have fooders and whatnot. And then, you know, between 2018 and 2020, people stopped caring about mixed fermentation, which yep. 
sucks. We want to, we still want to do it at some point, but there's just not a market for there, it. There, there's zero market for it, which blows my mind. It sucks because those are some of my favorite beers. And yeah, you know, if you make one, you just sit on it for the rest of your life. You know, <laughs> yeah. right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're make. I mean, Wayne Wambles wouldn't be very happy about hazy IPAs, but you know, I think the whole no. market has shifted that way. <laughs> yeah, no, it's kind of the way it. Ha- like no one was doing it, and uh, we were running short on money by the time we opened. So it's like, well, these will be quick returns because uh, yeah. we were we were going to do just kind of you know like mixed firm lagers IPAs. You know, I think uh, a mar- uh, model I liked a lot was what Zillicoa does. And it's like, they make an IPA, but it just says cold, wet, hoppy. Nice. And I, so was, like, I think that's the dream is to do something like that. But they uh, they also have like three acres right on a river. So you can kind of do whatever you want. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was just like, all right, let's make some, uh, we'll do the hazy IPA thing. And it caught on and people love them. So that's when, what we do is churn them out uh, every week. And we still do... A lot of loggers. I think there's seven loggers on our draft list right now. So, Jeez. And All they right. do well. It's a Saturday, Sunday play <laughs> right. for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So I, I know you're from Georgia, but yeah. you talk a lot about telling the story of Florida in your beers. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Well, so, you know, we're uh, we're both really good friends with uh, the guys at Arizona Wilderness. <clears throat> And uh, they inspired me a long time ago when they first opened. Like they use a lot of local ingredients, yep. and yep. you know they actually they've saved a river by uh, having a uh, I forget the name Sanagua Malting Company. It's a wheat company that yes. helps save that's a river. Sonoran wheat. Yes, that, yes, yes, Sonoran yeah, wheat. The up Sonoran in Verde, wheat. Yep, Verde River. And uh, so I was like, if we can do something like that in Florida, because no one's really doing it like you guys were with the red dragon fruit for dragon fruit passion fruit, and yep probably a host of other fruited sours you guys have done. Right. But up in Tampa, no one was doing that. Like everybody's just ordering the same fruit puree from the same places. And, yep. you know, it's kind of like a cookie cutter thing. So I was like, you know, if we can do like a kumquat beer, there's a kumquat farm uh, 45 minutes north of Tampa. Loves kumquats. So we bought, yep. Those guys are awesome. The uh, the Goud family, they're great. Nice. Um, we do a, a pecan pie beer every year from um, – and I buy pecans from Monticello, Florida, from uh, Mr. Sheffield, who is one of the greatest characters that anyone will ever <laughs> in their life. A guy, he, he calls us pecans, the Cadillac of pecans, told me one time that you can live in a, you can go in a cave with pecans and Manuka honey, no, Tupelo honey, and you can leave, live there for 30 years and just live <laughs> off those. Uh, the guy's a, he's a crazy person. I love him to death, though. He's one That's of my favorite awesome. people. That's awesome. But we try to get local produce as much as we can because we grow everything down here. Oh yeah. Well, I've I've driven down there, picked up. Uh, I know four fifty pounds of I red know. dragon. I know. I mean, and, and, and you guys even like we don't get it, but like you guys have. I think there's blueberry farms up there. Oh yeah. And all that, like we don't get that down here. Like we can get strawberries, but like blueberries, yeah. we don't. Like obviously, we ain't getting apples, and we have a ton of citrus. But like, there's not much anything that doesn't grow down here between us and you know kind of the panhandle area that we would call florida you know what yeah I mean? yeah for sure it's uh yeah you guys get more of the tropical fruit which is awesome because we don't get that up there. it's florida florida is a very diverse state in that regard as far as yep. the agriculture goes yep. yep that's why i like it down here because we can get a whole bunch of different things you know it's like if we were all in nebraska and i always make jokes about <laughs> no corn but there's only so much we can get there <laughs> corn we'd be doing a lot of corn beer have you seen yeah 100 uh little apples in the everglades the crab apples they're not crab apples sugar apples yeah they're called sugar apple there's a bet there's a spanish name for them but i think the yeah. the american name is sugar apple yeah huh. they grow in the in the everglades i didn't know that yeah Interesting. They're awesome. I don't know if they work in beer, but they are awesome. <laughs> there's a lot of things I've wanted to use that I don't know if it would work in beer because, like, there's some very strange and odd fruits down here that I've been wanting to use for years that I just haven't done. But it's like, man, that would be great. I just don't know how well it would go over if you know. Plus, you got to play yeah. with the TTB and what they allow in the beers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I yeah, actually uh, wasn't guava wasn't even considered an ingredient. According to guava, the passion pictures. fruit, mango, uh, dragon fruit. Uh, like I remember when I was at Cigar City and when we first opened, like towards the end of like 2014, that it was there was nothing on that list. And every single fruited sour I want to make, wanted to make, like I had to submit to, a, a formula. formula to the government 
so that they could read through the formula, see how many pounds of each fruit you're putting in, yeah. and then see if it was in some way going to be like poisonous or, or toxic to the <laughs> consumers like when you put it in the beer. And it's just like everyday fruits that people go to the supermarket around here and they pick up and eat at home. You know yeah, what I mean? but now yeah. they still don't have like tamarind's not on that list. Still not, right. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. You know, some other stuff. And I'm just like, man, get with the times. Yeah. It's, it's, they're way behind. Because it's such but, a pain in the ass to do the formula and then wait for that to then right. submit the actual TTB cola. Right. So, so well. I, know, yeah. I know you had also just come back to town and you were in Lithuania. But, yeah. But why were you in Lithuania? So, I did the, uh, we did our first uh, Mikuler, uh beer celebration <laughs> in uh, Copenhagen back in May. And from that, you meet a lot of people from all oh, over yeah. the world. Absolutely. Yeah. And I uh, met this guy, Linus. Um, I can't say his last name. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, he invited us and he's like, Hey, uh, if you got some friends who want to come, let them know. And I was like, yeah, cool. Um, but they, they were very big on like, you have to be there for it. Right. So I was like, yeah, sure. So I asked a couple of friends and they're, you know, they, I mean, that, that's most of those European f- festivals though. Like yeah. you have to be there. Yeah. Like you just can't send beer like a lot of these American festivals, like you just send beer and they'll the representative or something will pour for you. Well, I saw like, Davey was there. Davey like, from yeah, Orchestrated I mean, Minds. Also I mean, on the show before. If you're going to Europe, like somebody from your company has to be there to pour. Yeah. Yeah. They're real big on that. Cause it's like, and I, I get it because people are like, it's amazing to them that you showed up. Yes. Oh, you no. Know? Yeah. I, I remember my time and my circuit over there between the different countries and stuff. Like people love it. Like when you come yeah. to the show, I mean, it's completely different than over here. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. there, so there's one festival here where people are like that and, uh, barn town in, uh, Waukee, Iowa, oh. they super nice guys. The people there, they're like, you came all the way from Florida. I was like, yeah, I was in Copenhagen like two weeks ago. Of course. Like, I'm coming to Iowa. <laughs> right. Right. $250 round trip on a Legion. I don't care. Well, yeah. I, thought were, I thought you would have driven there. Word on the street. Uh, you don't like to fly. Yeah, I'm trying to. I've discovered uh, Delta Sky Miles now, so now I'm trying to get on that so I can get upgrades. Hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I know festivals are important to you, but I mean, do you think that they still have the same impact that they did, say, five six years ago, kind of when we were all in this heyday? Uh, probably not. <laughs> uh, honest and honestly, if I was in a different location, I wouldn't be as big on going to them, but. Right where we're at, we there's so much tourism. Like you yes. guys see people from all around the world every day. You know right. when you're open, we do too. Like in Lithuania, I, there were three people there that had our shirts on, which is crazy to me that there's people wearing magnanimous shirts at a festival in Vilnius, Lithuania. And uh, so I like to me, it's still important, um, even though I like there's there's some we're going to cut out next year for sure around the states just right. because. Yep kind of a cookie cutter thing everywhere you go well uh, now it is now do what now it is now everything is oh, yeah. exactly the same i mean it's like the yeah. same format you go to every festival and you can guarantee this is what it's going to look like and this is what it's going to be and yeah. it's just kind of like played itself out yeah 1000 percent. and uh so i think we'll kind of sort through them this year but i don't know like the international ones if if we have budget for it i'm always down because we're smack dab in between clearwater beach and disney world so there's a good chance I'll see some of those people because they all come to Disney World eventually. Oh, yeah. So they all come to our area. You know? oh, yeah. So, you know, I don't know if we're going to, if we may, like it's, I'll never be able to quantify if we'll make any money off that. But, you know, they, they get really excited and then they always ask for me because I'm always at these things. Like I get, <laughs> I have always, always have these notes when I come to the brewery in the morning. And it was like this guy from this place asked for you because he saw you a couple weeks ago oh, in, yeah. uh, in London or something. I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. So it's like one or two here and there. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I also do have to give you congratulations because one of your bears, Dare Hexenmeister, won a bronze medal at GABF in Colorado. So yeah. what kind of beer was that that you submitted? Uh, Dunkelweizen. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, and so it's a, a dark, a, a dark Hefeweizen. Yeah, yeah, and the beer's great. I love that. I mean, obviously, if it wasn't great, we'd dump it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's kind of our thing. Like, if, it, if the beer sucks, we're not going to pour it. But it's uh but it was one of those things. Like, we 
brewed a Hefeweizen, didn't want to dump the yeast, so we brewed a Dunkelweizen with it as well. And uh, it turned out great. So, and then when it came time to send stuff, it's like, ah, well, we have plenty of this, plenty of cans and whatnot. Let's send it, see what happens. And got a bronze. That's uh, amazing. Which was cool. Like, it's at 1030 at night at the end of this beer festival in Lithuania. I'm getting texts from all, like, all these people in Colorado that are nine hours behind me. Hell yeah. Sending, like, congrats. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And, like, somebody finally told me, yeah, we, you guys won for Dunkelbites. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> that, that's amazing because we have actually brewed a Dunkelweizen. Yeah. And it's hard to sell. Yeah, it's very much so. Uh, well, it, the sales did not pick up on Sunday. Uh, after <laughs> <laughs> but we can put the metal on the side of the can now. Actually, so. to me, that was a great beer. I mean, I actually really enjoyed the style. It's, and it's, it's delicious. We've but bre- I think we brewed it three times. We couldn't sell yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. we even tried to push it into the market and, and everything, but you know, it's, that's an interesting style. I mean, we've we've done some out the box, dead brand styles, but like, it's all just because something we oh, wanted God. to do, cot busters, oh. and, yeah, all types of stuff. He's like, let's brew a cot buster. Yeah, but that's yeah. me. I, I like to take stuff out of the graveyard and see if we can make it popular, and then again. gets mad when we can't <laughs> sell it. Yeah. Hey, that's hey, hey, we we did we we did it with a Berliner Weiss. And now it's like turned into this monster. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. So I, I do have another question. That um, tell us about your work with the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, so I do. Um, I do a lot more personally than we've done with the brewery so far, but we've done a few things with the brewery. But uh, every few years, like if you. Most people know me for having the long hair or whatever, but uh, I only grow it out so that I can donate it, uh, do events around <laughs> it with the Natural Foundation. That's awesome. Um, and I generally donate it to Wigs for Kids, which I think is in Battle Creek, Michigan. Okay. They're one of the best ones that they'll take pretty much, you know, black, gray, brown, whatever hair. Uh, I mean, you got a little bit of mix of everything going on. That might be, I mean, that oh, kid yeah. might have some n- nice hair, man. Yeah. No, that's that's what I'm hoping for. I hope they, they, they dig it. Um, but I know, like, you know, I also like to grow it out because if I ever get a hair in my food, I can just be like, oh, it's probably mine. <laughs> I, I, got, I got the entire cornucopia going on up here. Oh, yeah, I got you. But, uh, yeah, I do, like, uh, the first time I did that, Cigar City held an event. And just, you know, to see the meet the families and talk to the kids and whatnot, like, it's amazing just to see how, you know, um, I hate to say Brett because Brave's kind of overused, but it's just the courage of those families is just amazing. So it makes me want to do a lot of work with them and whatnot. And, and that's who I I do a lot of things with those guys. That's um, awesome, man. That is an awesome, yeah. awesome thing. So I, I really have one last question for you, brother. And it's yeah. it's a real business radio question. Can you really be both magnanimous and successful in business at the same time because they kind of seem like conflicting ideas and how do you reconcile them together to be as successful as you guys have been? Uh, well, it's, I mean, tell you, it's, it's tough, uh, but you, you can do it. I mean, I think my philosophy has always been like, if you're good to people, you'll be okay. Right. And, and no matter what. And right. I've always kind of been of the mind, like I've, I don't want to, I didn't get into this business to get rich. So it's like our success has to do with our people's success right. that work with us as well. So I don't need to be the guy that's making all the money and awesome. Like, and the brewery, as long as the brewery is doing well and our people are doing well, then I'm happy. And I don't myself, I'm fine with whatever I get. That's awesome. So I think that's where it has to be. You have to empower your people. You have to make sure they're successful and then go from there. Awesome. Man. Uh, so I think, I think you can make it happen. You just got to, Got to make some concessions on the personal end, not be to, uh, you know, not get a big head. You know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. Invest in your people uh, and invest in good equipment, but your people are very important. Absolutely, brother. Well, I want to say thank you very much for joining us today. This has been a pleasure, man. It's always good speaking with you, and uh, I wish you very much success going forward and uh, keep killing it out there, man. Oh, yeah. Thank you all. Thanks, Cheers. Charlie. Thanks, brother. Love you all. All right. Love you all, too. You're listening to The Beer Hour with Jonathan Wakefield. Conversations on the business of brewing and popular culture.
Our next guests are the co-founders, co-owners of Brooklyn Cider House. In 2014, these siblings left successful careers as a wine buyer and an English teacher to open a cider house in the Bushwick neighborhood of Brooklyn. When they outgrew their space in 2020, they moved to the farm Twin Star Orchards in scenic New Paltz, New York. They craft their cider from the apples they grow. The results speak for themselves. Their ciders have won numerous awards and medals in competitions such as Glint Cap, Dan Berger's International Cider Competition, New York Wine and Food Classic Competition, and the U.S. Open Cider Championship. They are here to usher in the fall beer hour style. Welcome to the beer hour. Peter Yee and Susan Yee, thank you very much for joining us today on this show. It's a pleasure to have you guys on. Thank you for having us. I mean, Peter, I would say like your story is such a beer hour story. I mean, it was like during a trip to Spain that you found yourself in a cider house in the Basque country. You had what we call like, or what your website calls a thunderbolt moment or that like, you know, that spark to the flame moment that changed the trajectory of your career can you kind of set the scene and describe that moment to us? Oh, yes. Um, I was visiting uh, northern Spain, um, the St. Sebastian, um, because it's kind of the, um, the stops that I, I make on, on my wine journey. So I was going from Bordeaux to St. Sebastian, then to Rioja. So St. Sebastian is kind of in the border uh, of uh, um, Spain and France, but on the Spanish side. So I I go there all the time because I it's a convenient stop. Um, Also, the the, the wines are very good and the the food is absolutely spectacular. So I would go there to have incredible pinchos and vintage Riojas and Oh. And uh, grilled turbo, <laughs> uh, which is one of the specialties there. Back then, I didn't like cider. There was no cider that interested me. And and this beverage absolutely, you know, floored me. It, it was a beverage that I've been looking for in my wine career for a long time. Right. It was light, refreshing, food-friendly. Um, it was completely dry. Um, and the best part of it all is there's no hangover. You can drink an uh, incredible amount of cider and feel great the next day. Because of the lack of residual sugars? Um, yes, but also it's lower in alcohol. Right. Um, and right. this particular cider, uh, in the Basque country, which I call natural cider. Right. Uh, they don't add yeast. They don't add preservatives. Um, so it, it's very, very light um, on your system. So um, no sulfites. Yeah. No, yeah, no sulfites. Right. Ah. Uh, so what you, I heard you bring that up, but what does catching cider actually mean or, or what is a good description for that? So just if you can imagine a very, like a room size cider uh, and. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, cider cider barrel is right, yes. it's, um, kind of I, I would say somewhere in the neighborhood of like ten feet, Oof. ten to twelve feet. Okay. And um, this chestnut barrel, uh, they, there is a a little hole, little spigot that they make, uh, which is probably about uh, two you know, two I don't know three three feet from from the top. Right. And they would open this up, and it would. It would it would stream out cider onto the floor. Now, if someone didn't have a cup, it would just fall on the floor. But you know, with people there, we're not going to allow the cider to catch the floor. it with your so mouth. We're all lining up. <laughs> so it's just imagine a line of people with right. a glass in their hand, right? Um, and they're just you know, as soon as one person catches cider, there'll be someone right behind that person. That's amazing. Following that stream, and when when I lift my glass, uh, when I had enough, the next person would catch cider. That's so awesome. it would it would be just a line of people catching cider, and then they would open up a different barrel. So you would go to a different barrel wow. and then drink the cider. Um, wow! And it, it would be it, it, it. They don't limit you. You just right. kind of catch, and and if you want 
more cider. You just get back online and catch more cider. That's awesome. So your your brother comes home from his wine trip and tells you, hey, sis, we're opening a cider house in Brooklyn. What was your reaction? Did you think he had had too many glasses of uh, Tempranillo? <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, I thought he was crazy. Um, Maybe chocolate. yeah, he he'd always tried to kind of recruit me into the wine business, right? And he was always like, "Oh, you you know, you have a good palate. You love wines. You love to eat. You know, why don't you come to this side?" <laughs> right. Um, and I was I was never really interested. I was always interested in eating and drinking, but not really doing business or making right. it a business. Right. Um, and then, yeah, he came home one day and we were, we were just driving. I think he was driving me somewhere or we were driving somewhere. And I remember him bringing this up. He was like, you know, I had this incredible experience, um, at the cidery. And at the time I didn't like cider either. So I really, I didn't understand. I didn't understand (laughs) what his excitement was about. So he definitely, he, he came home and he was like, there's just something about this experience. Like, I think we need something like this type of cider house in New York. And it would fit so well in New York because we're the apple state. We grow right. incredible apples. Yep. Um, and it's just this wonderful, not just like gastronomic experience, but like such a social and community experience. Right. Like what's amazing is that you're in the space and you're sharing, you're pretty much sharing everything, you know, he didn't describe like just the the food as well. Like it is very rustic, but one of the things about the cider houses is everything is on shared platters. A lot of them, you don't get a plate. You don't get utensils. Just hands. Um, yeah. You literally get bread and they have the bread cut up and you grab, you know, the steak or the the tortilla or whatever it is it is that's being served and you put it on your bread and you and you eat it wow um and then you go in between those bites like going to catch cider in the barrel room or the tank room wow that's awesome yeah so, so how so, did how did you guys go about getting this thing up and running i mean i'm assuming there was a lot to learn about growing apples and cider making from the jump much we're still learning like every day <laughs> the million things that we don't know <laughs> we, yeah, we basically we, run into <laughs> yeah we 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 basically um in the in the very beginning it it was i i describe it as like fighting with lions like uh. we you know we, we we had to figure stuff out like we didn't know how to do a lot of the stuff and there there was there wasn't a lot of people that you can just go to and ask you know although we although we did reach out to a lot of people um uh, but the type of cider that we were making uh it it was um it's it's very rare to to see anyone outside of the Basque country making this style of cider so um yeah we we had to learn we we uh um, uh, had to um, call people uh, in Spain to to you know get some answers, um, but you know in time we we figured it out um, and we'll start learning. I think our our ciders are getting better every year. Um, it's it's a cider that we love, but also we we found out that it's a, it's a, it's a cider that sells the least amount. So it's it's our favorite cider, but it's also the cider that. People just don't understand. It's a very difficult cider. It's kind of like, you know, understanding wasabi or understanding, um, you know, a, a diff- difficult uh, food. Like, I, I think even some some stuff like uh, like sake or, or, or wine, the first time you would you would have it, you, you don't you don't necessarily understand it. So. It's the same thing with the cider. When you grow up with the cider, uh, when you're there in Saint Sebastian or Asturias, I think it's uh, it's very natural to fall in love with this beverage. But when you're not from there and you're trying this for the first time, it's definitely a difficult uh, beverage. You know, when when Susan had it the first time, she didn't like it either. Um, is that true? Yeah, yeah, I didn't really like it at all, but. They definitely drink it like water out there. <laughs> right, right. Do you do you think that the the understanding of that cider has to do with the way that it is um, 
like this very cultural community, um, you know, doing the whole barrel thing and the, and the catching and, and the eating and, and that it's a, such a, um, I don't know, people coming together. Is that part of the understanding of that, that cider? Absolutely. I think the, uh, that, that culture, that, um, that environment, um, it's, it's really special. Um, and I, I think that's part of the experience that we wanted to create because, um, it's such a very, you know, it's a special place. Um, so we, we wanted to, um, to have a place, uh, like the, the, the cider house, but outside of there, it kind of gets lost a little bit because it's, it's dry. It's also like a, it's like a pickled cider. You know, there's a little bit of like pickle juice component, you know, like a kimchi or something like that in cider. So, and, and we call it volatile acidity. Um, you know, it's got that character and, most people don't like it, but when you pair it with food, it becomes to life. It, it, it lifts the food right. and, and cleanses your palate. It's really spectacular experience, but we can't, it, it, you know, how do you, it's hard to, you know, tell people, hey, you need to make a, you know, bacalao tortilla, you know, tortilla <laughs> right. bacalao or right. have a chuleta. Right. Don't have, you know, don't drink this by itself. I mean, that, that doesn't work either. So. You know, it's, it's, it's a difficult beverage for people to understand if it's not shown under the right uh, context. Oh. Oh. And I think I think the one other thing that Peter didn't mention that he loves about the cider and we, we both now love about the cider is that um, it's a cider that's so versatile. Like it takes you literally through, you know, the appetizers all the way through the dessert. Like people actually pair... Um, the raw cider with our apple cider donuts now, um, which we didn't know. But in this, in the cider houses, you know, it it goes from through every course um, you're drinking the same style of cider and it just works beautifully with, with everything. It's, it it is hard to find a single beverage that could do all courses. Absolutely. But I do want to just mention like when you had asked a question a while back about how did we learn um, and for people that might be interested in going into cider making or brewing, what's amazing is that the community of cider makers is really small um, in the Northeast. And even like across the U.S. we're learning, like there's there's a community of people, of makers, and they're so helpful. You know, I would say like 98% of the community that we've met, they share everything that they, they know like wow. willingly with you so that, you know, you ask them about the yeast and the apple varieties and, you know, their experiences with, with certain um, varieties of apples growing in their soil. And they'll give you all the information. They'll literally like send you like their, you know, records and so many things. Like it, it was an incredible experience for sure. Like we didn't do it by ourselves. There were right. so many people that like helped us along the way. So. Nice. Your ciders have won a bushel of awards, as per Rocco would like to say. Do dad you, jokes. Yes, dad jokes. Do you remember the first one? How, how did that award make you feel? And was it sort of a validation that all of your hard work in learning how to make cider really has come to fruition? Well, I, I, it, it certainly made, uh, you know, it certainly made me proud that, you know, we, right. we, we are being noticed right uh but you know the the proof is in the pudding you know like we we, we need the sales to, right 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 to... you didn't you didn't hang your hat on the award like i know like there's been plenty of people that hang their hats on the awards and that's all we got but no it's like hey oh great that's we got an award but really we want to see the sales because that's the real marker of how well we're doing yeah we yeah we we want more and more people to you know discover Natural cider, but you know, I, we we've been like sort of at it for the last ten years, uh, and we we are almost kind of we're we're certainly you know we didn't give up, but we're slowing down on that because I I've been fighting that for a while, and it just doesn't you know the, it, it it it's it may take a generation or two to 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 really get people to to understand that you know that natural cider right um we we have moved on you know with other ciders too that are 
much easier to work with and and more and more people kind of gravitate towards that uh other ciders um yeah um and i don't know we i I, I still want to work with natural ciders and, right. and I, I, I love them dearly, but you know, I, it, it's not the only thing we do now. Right. And, right. you know, maybe in the future things will change and we, you know, I, I wish I can just make like abundance of uh, natural ciders, but right. it, it, it's at this time, it's our least popular cider. Ah. Uh. So it's my favorite cider, but it's right. also in well, terms no, of I sale, mean, but like right. I, I mean, I I feel you on that because I have a favorite style of beer that we make, but it is not necessarily the favorite among beer drinkers. You know what I mean? So like, I I feel right. you on that. Like, I would love to continue to make said beer, but I know like <laughs> the smart choice is to also make these other things that people really enjoy. Over just what I enjoy, you know what I mean. So I feel you on that. Exactly. You can't leave us hanging. What, what is no, no. I mean, I mean, I mean. Well, it was super popular for a period of time, and just drinking, you know, making barrel aged imperial stouts. They're still popular. What are you talking about? I thought you were going to say English style yeah, porters. Well, I mean, I would. I mean, I love English style porters. Nobody yeah. drinks that crap, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, they don't. I know. I, mean, I have to sell them, and I. You can't. know what I mean? Nobody. I mean, gr- great beer, amazing, amazing beer. You know, uh, that's how oh. we feel. That's how we feel about the raw. There was one person, John from Black Duck, was the one single cider maker in New York State that we found that respected natural Spanish style cider. But everybody else was like, oh, ooh, we don't we don't like the Spanish style cider. It tastes really faulty. So and now it's a different story. Right. Yeah. Of course. So. Of course. Yeah. Because yeah. with the growth of natural wine and everything else. Well, it's, I yeah. think people's palates develop, too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've, we've seen it. We've seen it develop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so it's definitely and it's it's on a course for that. I mean, but I can say like within the beer industry because we used to make wild beers where we would introduce wild yeast, Britannomyces and lactobacillus and pediococcus to the beer. Those used to be supremely popular. And now if I make one, I'm probably going to be sitting on those bottles for a year and a half, a year and a half. You know what I mean? It's, it's tough for us. So it's like something like we don't really make Would I enjoy making them. Absolutely. Because to me, it's it's an enjoyable style, and I love everything behind it. But people have kind of moved on from that. Well, I, I think it's also unless you're like a Cantillon. Right. Like a Belgian producer right. of right. those beers that's known to make lambics, right. and they've been doing it for hundreds of years. And that's what right. I was going to say with the dry cider. I'm sure, you know, in San Sebastián, the first 10 years weren't perfect when they were making it. But as they got to know their surroundings, and that's what's going to happen to you all, you'll leave that legacy and people will continue to do that. So it's, it, it'll be incredible to watch. Yes, absolutely. So I do have one last question for you guys. Why do ugly apples make the best cider? <laughs> um, why do ugly apples make the best cider? First of all, we, we, we are looking for flavor. And, and, and typically, the, um, the bigger the apple, less flavor. Really? Smaller the apple, more flavor. Okay. Um, not always, but typically. Um, my, like my favorite apple right now is a crab apple. Um, Oof. Oof. crab apple. Oof. And <laughs> it, it's just absolutely packed with flavor. Uh, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's really sweet, super high acid. Right. And tannic. Oh, and, yes. And, and yeah, there, there's so much flavor there it's almost too much yes. uh to 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 uh for uh, on its own you need to cut it you need to cut it with the, with other other apples some of the other components is the appearance we don't really care about the appearance right. um we don't care if there's blemish on, on the skin because it's it's natural if you want to make a perfect looking apple you just need to spray a lot a so the bugs it, yeah. don't want to touch that apple right so you know for us i we don't we don't need to have a perfect looking apple right. we want apples with a lot of flavor so it's right. typically smaller and uglier and i i, I feel that you know it, it's just uh it's a perfect slogan i mean it's it's it, it, it really fits exactly with what we need 
right. which are small, ugly apples. That's awesome. Have you guys yeah. actually used crab apples for cider? Oh, in the past, or yeah, what? I mean, I mean, have you? Yes, yeah. We we love crab apples. Oh my are you gosh. kidding me? We we are planting <laughs> crab apples after crab apples. Oh my like gosh. We, we we are planting like I don't know if you like know, large you know. plots of land with just crab apples. Right. I, I know. Yeah, it, I know. It's... He doesn't mean his favorite apple to eat is a crab apple. Right. <laughs> I was going to say. I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, because I know in Florida, especially down here. I don't think anybody knows what a crab apple is. I mean, I've spent time living in Washington State where they also grow a ton of apples. And uh-huh. my my grandparents out there had a crab apple tree and I remember making the mistake of like picking one and like putting Eating it in my it. as as a kid and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this is like <laughs> terrible." You know, because it was so tannic and so acidic. I'm just like, you know, like this is not for me, but makes like, great cider. Oh, it does. Obviously, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But I was like, that's why I asked. Typically, the uglier it is when it's young, the the more beautiful it becomes. Nice. Um, nice. I, and it's it's something that I heard with like a lot of the winemakers. Uh, and it it I think is very true with uh, with the cider. And I I I want those flavors. I want the flavors that you didn't like when you bit into that uh, crab apple. Right. I'm looking for those flavors. Nice. That's what I want in in my cider because that's what makes it interesting. Right. You know when when it's when an apple is sweet, like because you're eating the apple fresh. Right. Uh, there's still sugar in in the fruit. Right. You don't need so much other things because you have that sugar. But when that sugar is converted to alcohol, now it's no longer sweet. You need the other stuff to 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 have a complex beverage for flavor components. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah. I really want to thank you guys for joining us today. This has been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much. Um, I'm definitely going to have to. Oh, God. We would need a new building and a new no, permit. No, I'm not saying I'm not going to go make cider. cider. I'm not going to go make cider. They Florida don't grow apples are... in, you know, Miami. It doesn't matter. You know, but. <laughs> well, come, come and visit us. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, want to, I want to try the kimchi, they too. Make a project here. Absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I mean, we could use apples. I mean, we've done apple. Beer. We've actually done, uh, Yes. The component when we did let's just kick it was half sour lactose sour beer with cider. Half cider, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, we've done it before. I, I mean, I love it. So, but thank you very much for your time. This is awesome, and I'm definitely going to have to try to get my hands on on some of your products. This is a uh, very exciting for sure. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's it for this week. I'd like to thank our guests Charlie Mears, Peter Yi, and Susan Yi. Our co-host, Maria Cabre, our producer, Rocco Riggio, and our editor, Brian O'Connell. Thanks for starting your weekend with us. You can catch us each Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Business Radio 132 or anytime on the SiriusXM app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate the show and leave a review. Remember, people, the thirst is real.